And tonight we're coming to the church at Sardis. And um, the two pictures that you see on the screen are two actual pictures of uh, uh, ruins, uh, buildings that's uh, still standing. If you wish to go over there, which uh, uh, that was in Asia Minor, but back which is the modern-day Turkey. All of them are in modern-day Turkey. And um, I would like some, I, I know I have a couple of minister friends of mine who's, who's taken a trip. Uh, there, some of these travel agents, you can go uh, a trip uh, that's called to the seven, seven churches of, um, of, of Revelation. Uh, and they take you on tour of all seven of them. And that's, that's, that's one and I've always been interested. And maybe the Lord might allow me to do that one day. I haven't done it yet, but I would kind of like to do that. I think it'd be great. But these are two pictures of, uh, of some ruins there, of buildings uh, that's there. Uh, and uh, I'm going to put that up there to show you. And we're going to get into the third chapter of Revelation tonight. And we're going to read the first six verses. It says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. Now, you know, it was on handout. We explained about the seven. Somebody said, I thought the Bible says there was only one spirit, and then people get confused. And, and I gave you some, uh, some paperwork and break, breaking that seven spirits down, and I do have that on some handouts if you didn't get it. Um, he said, this is he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works... Now, he, he uses that an awful lot talking to church. He says, I know your works. You know, we can, uh, folks can pretend if we want to. We can try to fool this one and try to fool that one. But we, uh, Brother, Brother Douglas, we, we don't fool God. He knows what we're really all about. He knows what we're really all about. He says, I know your works, that you have a name. Now, now this is right here. We're getting already in to what we're going to be talking about tonight. Notice what he says. I know your works. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Think about that. He says, you got a name, you're alive, but you're dead. How in the world can somebody be alive, dead at the same time? We'll be, we'll be talking about that as we get into this. He said, be watchful. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. My, my, my. This church, he said, you get, you know, he said, you got some things that's already dead in your life, and you got some things that are so sick and feeble, they're fixing to die. Some powerful stuff he's, he's writing to the, the congregation of that church. He said, For I have not found your works perfect before. God, that's, that's something. He said, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. I don't know about you, church, but that's my desire. I want to, Brother Scott, I want to walk with the Lord one day. Man, I, I, I want to be able to kneel at his feet. Hallelujah. Oh, oh Lord. Hallelujah. He said, and so we got a promise right here. He's promising right here 
He said, there are going to be some people that's going to be able to walk with me. Hallelujah. I'm going to be one. I'm going to do my best. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not living certain ways, Brother James, to, uh, uh, to, to be saved because my works don't save me. But I live a certain way because he has saved me. He's made me his child. And it makes me desire to want to live pleasing to him. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. He who overcomes. That's another phrase that we have found over and over. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. My, my, my. Again, another another phrase as we end up with the last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm not talking about can you smell what the rock is cooking. Hallelujah. But can you hear what Jesus is saying? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, some of y'all that went over your head. Some of y'all picked that up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, we're going to just go in your um, handout because I've uh, put all this down, and I think you're going to find some interesting things here tonight. Now, we're going to, we're going to talk about um, a little, about city, and I've got uh, a map up here, and you can uh, I've used this before, uh, and you can see each one of the seven churches and where they was located at. Uh, and maybe maybe you can see there Sardis um, sitting right in between Smyrna and Philadelphia, uh, right there almost in the center there. Um, it's um, where Sardis was located in west-central Asia Minor, some 100 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. Don't, uh, don't look that far on the map maybe, but it was about 100 miles from the Mediterranean Sea. About 30, mile, 30 or 35 miles southeast of Thyatira, it was in fact the ancient capital of Lydia. History shows that they mined gold and that money was minted there. They have found ev- evidence in archaeology digs and stuff that uh, they uh, actually minted money there. It was reported that there were sheer walls on three sides, making the city virtually impregnable, giving its citizen a strong sense of comfort and safety. Listen to that. Now, right here, here is a picture, a distant picture of the hillside that Sardis sit on. Now, back in that day and that time, they tried to build cities as much as possible on hillsides because it was uh, easy to defend from invading armies. And they, uh, they had this place built, they thought, in an area that nobody could get to. So they just forgot about their safety, 
they figure, hey, we're up here and we got these high walls around it, which the walls are gone today. And uh, ain't no way in the world can an enemy army come in and invade us and, uh, and destroy us. So uh, with the walls that they had making the city virtually impregnable, giving its citizens a strong sense of comfort and safety. But the city's massive walls were no match for King Cyrus of Persia. When he captured the city around 546 B.C., tradition says, now listen to this, tradition says that a soldier found a crevice in the rock hill, and look again at the picture there. This a soldier, one of a soldier of King Cyrus, the king of Persia. So tradition says that he found a crevice in the rock hill up which he led a band of soldiers to the summit, taking the city by surprise. There was a place there in one of those rocks that one of the soldiers found, and it was big enough that he could take a band of soldiers and they snuck in to the city, possibly maybe at night, I don't know, but they took the city by surprise and they wiped, uh, wiped it out and they made all the people who lived there slaves. Amen. Uh, and again, now this is important when we're uh, talking about how we read our scriptures. Some 330 years later, uh, they had rebuilt their city, and uh, and here they was, 330 years later. Now, you can get all this in history. This is good for me, as everybody knows. I'm a history buff, and I love it. Uh, and uh, I, I bore Darlene sometimes, I guess, with it. Uh, but uh, Antiochus the Great took the city the very same way. Sardis had been caught napping each time it was taken. Now, with that said, amen. The scriptures that we read when God said that, uh, I, I, I know your works. He said, you're a, uh, you, you have a name, you're alive, but you are dead. You see, apparently, Sardis started out strong doing good works. I'm talking about the church in Sardis now. As noted in the latter part, having a name and strength, the thing, strengthen the things that remain, suggesting they once had more. Amen. They want, at one time, that church had a whole lot more than what it did. And you know what? And we look at the modern-day church. We've got things right now that the early church didn't have. Amen. When, when Peter or Paul or Bartholomew or Nathaniel or, uh, or Philip or any of the rest of them did Bible teaching in, in, in the church, they didn't have this stuff right here to go by. They didn't have all the things. They didn't have the, uh, uh, the nice padded pews and the AC and, and all that stuff. Man, uh, we, we got a lot of stuff in the modern church today that they didn't have. We got we can crank this stuff up, and sometimes it almost sounds like they've done it. Sometimes you can almost make the building shake. 
<laughs> but you know what? The Bible said in the book of Acts, when the church assembled together and prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled. And they didn't have no PA set. They didn't, they didn't have no electric stuff. But they was able in their prayers, Brother Donald, make the place shake. Hallelujah. We call ourselves apostolic, but I'm going to tell you what, that first century church had some stuff that we don't have today. Amen. I'm, you know, Lord, Lord of mercy, you know, we, we have swapped some things, Brother Paul, and uh, all this other stuff that, you know, we spent X amount of dollars for, we could really do without every bit of it. We could really do without every bit of it. But we can't do it without the power of God. We can't do without the anointing of the Holy Ghost in our service. The modern day church is alive. You know, there ain't too many. Uh, there's very few storefront churches anymore in, in, in apostolic faith. There's, there's still some. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, they're, they're, all, they're like tent revivals are almost a thing in the past. Uh, most most uh, churches that's been around for a little while is, um, uh, it started out what may be called on the wrong side of the track and gotten it. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. You go down you go down to Little Rock, Arkansas, right there by the interstate as you start to go, I mean, right there on the right, man, that, that huge Pentecostal church, man, it is, it is amazing, a thing of millions and millions of dollars. You know, so the church world today, we alive. We got all this stuff. We got a name. But a lot of us are dead. Dead spiritually. Um, somehow, they wavered or faltered. They failed to persevere. Sardis was apparently guilty of apathy and was suffering from her neglect and indifference of the need of revival. They were satisfied with the name and notoriety they had achieved. Amen. For themselves and were too lazy to do the things necessary to keep revival active in the church. My, what an indictment. Hallelujah. They they got comfortable. Brother, Brother Hale, you know, uh, the founding pastor used to, used to preach a scripture, uh, and he preached it many times. It says, Woe to them who are at ease in Zion. The church of Sardis had a fine city built upon a, 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 a hill with massive walls around the top that they thought couldn't nobody get into them. But because they became at ease and they didn't, stop, they didn't worry, they wasn't concerned, they began to slumber and sleep spiritually. Amen. They slumbered and slept. They didn't worry about an enemy, realized there was an enemy out there seeking to overcome them. And so while they was caught napping, the enemy got up that place, snuck in the crack of the wall, and defeated them. And now, spiritually speaking, we can become at ease. We can get apathetic. We can get satisfied. Uh, it used to be an old song they used to sing all the time about satisfied, I'm satisfied. Never really cared for that because I feel like any time a child of God gets satisfied, they're walking on dangerous ground. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I've been in this thing all my life, 
uh, but I'm not nowhere near yet what I want to be. And the more I study God's Word, uh, the more I realize I don't know. Amen. I don't want to get apathetic. I don't want to to never forget. Please, nobody here tonight, don't forget. You you know, you you may have been baptized in in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost and, and, and go to church or whatever, but don't be like them people who lived on that hillside and forget you got an enemy out there that wants to destroy you. He hates you. What did the Bible say about Satan? He said he's like a roaring lion. What? Seeking who may devour. Hallelujah. We, you got an enemy that's looking for any cracks that may be in your armor. Hallelujah. Amen. I, 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 I'm not going to tell you. I mean, yeah, I, I might look in the mirror and say, hey, hey you, you look pretty cool. You know, you're all right. You, know, you, are, you got all the armor on. But uh, there's always some kind of weakness in the armor somewhere. And if you got it somewhere, the enemy is going to find where it's at. And that's where he's going to attack. That's where he's going to, uh, going to uh, uh, sneak in at. Hallelujah. Exactly where he's going to sneak in. Now, turn it over there to the back uh, side. And I'm going to break this down just a little, little bit further. He said, you got a name and are alive. Now, what that suggests is notoriety. Notoriety. The people back in that day, other cities for miles around, had heard about Sardis. Amen. They made they made minted money there. Man, they had gold mines there. Probably it was probably underneath that mountain there. I don't know, but history says that they did gold mining there. They had notoriety. You got a name. Everybody knows your name. That suggests notoriety. The church at Sardis had a great reputation. A lot of people are worried about their reputation but don't think much about their character. Woo. Hallelujah. Amen. A lot of people worry about their, their reputation. They need to be thinking more about the character. Your character is who you really are when ain't nobody around. Hello? Amen. So Sardis had that name. They was known. Uh, notoriety or recognizable. Now, I guarantee you uh, um, uh, all young people know that symbol right there. They even put the name of it up there. Uh, most everybody, that symbol is recognized. You see it, you see you, you see. People walk around with baseball caps with just that on. And uh, it's become uh, recognizable. And that's, that's, that's what Christ said about this place. People, you've you got a name, notoriety. People knows your symbol. And you see, we know what that symbol is. You know, I mean, if we had made uh, just a, a third of the money that Nike's made... Hey, we wouldn't have to worry about no mortgage on church, would we? Hallelujah. Amen. There's certain things that become uh, recognizable. And he told him, he said, that's what you, you got a name. People recognize you and, and, and all of that stuff. Amen. But that's, there, there's nothing, uh, uh, nothing else uh, uh, there. It also suggests accomplishments. 
The congregation, no doubt, had experienced numerical growth. Church government and worship programs were developing in an impressive way. I mean, they had all kind of accomplishments. You know what I mean? Lord, Lord of mercy. You know, you stop and think of the churches. And, I, and I'm talking about apostolic now. That all at one time used to be just in a cubby hole. You know, you'd be surprised how many of them has got their own gymnasiums. You know, and um, and all and all these other there's all kind of accomplishments in which I'm not I'm not condemning those things. I'm not saying that's nothing uh, wrong. I mean that's something that I would like to see extended back there. Uh, I'd like to see a family life center put in our in our building back in the back right there as we grow and we get more younger people uh, in and have them something to do. That, that's fine. But we've got to realize what our priorities are. Hallelujah. We can't, we can't never stop focusing on things such as prayer, reading God's Word, heartfelt worship, winning the lost. Hallelujah. That's, that's what we exist for. That's what the church exists for. The church can do without all these other things that we've accomplished, but we can't do without those things. Then he says, you are dead. Spiritually unconscious. Hallelujah. Spiritually unconscious. Asleep at the wheel. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm talking about spiritually unconscious. I'm, I'm not talking, don't, don't, think, don't think pastor saw you napping up in my sermon last Sunday. I'm talking about spiritually unconscious. Kind of reminds me one time the preacher was preaching, and uh, uh, it was a, a, a brother and his wife sitting right on the front row. Well, he got real comfortable, man. He was he was sitting there and he had had his legs out like that in that head, and man, he was sawing logs. <laughs> and that guy was up there trying to preach. Finally, the preacher took all he could take. He looked at his wife. He said, "Sister," he said, "Would you?" Uh, punch your husband, please, and wake him up. She looked back at the pastor and says, you wake him up. You don't want to put him to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Spiritually unconscious. If a patient in the hospital is being monitored for vital signs and the heart stops, the nurse is going to page the doctor and say that the patient is flatlined. The church in Sardis had all the outward appearance of life, but in fact, she was flatlining. Hallelujah. I, I don't want Christ's family church, amen, ever flatlined. We want to keep that beat steady. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. See, God has given us something special, hallelujah, and we can't afford to let it, let, let it die. We can't afford to let it die. Apathetic and unaware is also another suggestion about you're dead. You know, how in, how in the world can you not, we as children of God, have, not have our spirit stirred within us when every time we uh, hear the things that are going on in this world, world now against God and against his word, against his church? How can, how can some people in, and I've seen some people in the church 
could care less. You tell them, well, this happened this way. I mean, I'm watching very closely what's going on right now between Israel and Hamas. I mean, that's a, uh, that's a very, uh, uh, that's an end time event right there. Hallelujah. And uh, I appreciate, I, I appreciate what Netanyahu, the, uh, the comments that he made the other day. Hallelujah. He's not getting support from nobody in the world. First time in history that American president had, 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 has not stood up and made it known that we're, we're, we're for you. You know, all they're doing when they talk to Israel is say, show restraint, show restraint. How in the world can you show restraint when you got rockets by the hundreds coming at you? Hallelujah. Finally, he told him, he said, he's giving them one last chance. I'm giving you one last chance in the Gaza Strip to stop this stuff. Or we're putting men, uh, uh, men with boots on the ground and we're going to go in. He said, and this time when it's over, we're not giving back none of the territory. We're going to keep what all we take. And I posted online. I said, thank God. I said, get in there and take it all because God gave it to you. It's your land. Glory to God. But some people are so apathetic. They, they hear that kind of stuff and it don't, it don't bother them. It shakes me to my core. Hallelujah. When I hear, when I hear about 4,000 babies being aborted every day in the United States of America, it shakes me to my core. Hallelujah. When I see churches like the Presbyterians and yeah, I'm a name caller, I'll call them because it stand up and say, well, well, you know, we're not going to speak against gay marriage no more. We're going to ordain gay priests. I say they are, they are not a real church. They got a name. They got a variety, but they're dead. They flatlined a long time ago. Forgive me. I'm supposed to be teaching, but man, I, hallelujah. Glory to God. The church, the church needs to stay aware of what's going on. And the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. So let us not get caught napping. Let's not become apathetic and unaware. The congregation had a who cares attitude concerning what was happening around them. Hallelujah. Then he said, he who overcomes is going to be clothed in white and your name won't be blotted out and we'll be confessed in heaven. Now that right there, that's not the only scripture. I can give you more about it, but how in the world, I had a, I, I was talking with a denominational preacher one time. He said, well, bless God. My name was written down in the book of life. No matter what I do, it ain't going to be blotted out. I said, you better go back and check the scriptures again. First time, the first time I, I took him to where when, uh, when the children of Israel had messed up and God was fixing to wipe them off the planet, he told Moses, he says, I'll raise up another nation through you stronger than they. Moses began to intercede. He says, Lord, please forgive them their trespasses. He said, if you... He, and I will tell, I'll be honest. I don't know if I could. I, I don't know if I could pray this prayer or not. I'm gonna be honest. I, Moses, man, he 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 was a bad dude spiritually. I mean, and, and, and he told the Lord. He said, "If you won't forgive them, brother Donald," he said, "blot my name out of the book that you wrote also." 
And you know what God said? He said, the one who sins, that's the one whose name I blot out. Don't, don't kid yourself and don't think that your name can't be blotted out. And then he gets another promise right here and says, if you overcome, your name will not be blotted out. Hallelujah.